0: This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It is meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Hello and welcome to SuperAge. My name is David Harry Stewart. I'm the founder of Aegist. At Super Age, we help you live better and become the best version of yourself. And who doesn't want a Super Age? Today's show is brought to you by Inside Tracker. Go to slash ageist. Save 20% on all their products today. Welcome to episode 77 of the Super Age podcast. This will be dropping on the 6th of April, 2022. It is great to have you with us. This week, we are back in the mountains of Utah, which is a lovely, lovely place and quite a different place from where we were last week, which was Los Angeles, California. And I have to say, it's really wonderful going back and forth between the two. Um, I love the cultural inspiration, the meeting all the friends and going to dinners and listening to music and seeing art. And then coming out here where it is just unbelievably quiet and the sky is just so dark at night and um, like you've never seen stars until you go to a place like this. And boy, can you see stars. And I saw my first... First moose of the year yesterday, um coming you know they come down to the mountains, and it's um they're hungry, so they they go after the shrubbery here, which is kind of fun this week on the show, we've got Julia Lynn, um whose Instagram is Dolphinine, and she has an incredible story. We profiled her last week on Aegis, and I really wanted to have her on the podcast this week, so you could hear in her own voice um you know what she's up to where she's come from and you know type one diabetes experimental double organ transplant in her early 30s open heart surgery in her late 40s and then at the age of 62 she decided she no longer wanted to be sort of soft and fat and so she changed that and she's not anymore and uh She says, uh, you know, she wants to be an inspiration to others, that if she can do this, other people can do it, and she's a remarkable human being, so we're going to get to her in just a second, but first we're going to get to one of our call-ins, and as we've been saying on the show, we have a super age call-in number, it is 801-871-5291, that's 801-871-5291, where you can call in, and you can ask a question, you have a comment, Anything you like. Um, We would love to hear it from you in your voice. So this week we had this question come in Hi, David. Love the show. Hey, I hear you talking about trackers all the time. Want to know which one's your favorite one? Thanks. Let me know. This is a great question. And we get this a lot because, as you all know, I love tracking stuff. Um, You know, my feeling is if I can't track it, I can't really tell whether I'm improving. Yeah. So the wearable trackers, they're all a little different and they work differently on different people. So there's no one tracker that's great for everyone. Some people really like the Apple Watch. Um, you know, it has the rings, you complete the rings and then it does a lot of other things. You get your notifications on it and things like that. Some people don't like that because they find it very invasive. Um, some people really like Garmins, um, my friends that are big into Iron Man and things like that, b- because the Garmin works really well. It's it's a very robust thing. Um, you can smash down a rock and it's not going to break, um, tracks your distance. Um, good for that. Some people like Aura Rings. Um, they're good because they have a very low form factor. They're not so good because you got to get them over your knuckle. And depending on the relationship to the size of your knuckle to the size of your finger, they work more or less good. So for some people, they're great. Um, for other people, they don't work as well. Um, personally, I wear a whoop. Um, I love the whoop. Um, the whoop is different from a lot of the other trackers in that it takes much more data than the other ones. So the the resolution of the things it's telling you about, like your, your HRV, your sleep, um, the breakdown of your deep sleep, your REM sleep, is more rigorous. And, you know, whoops tend to be used by, um, athletes, um, or Anderson Cooper. If you see Anderson Cooper on CNN, he's got a whoop. That's that black thing at his wrist. Um, I think they, I think they're kind of great. That's the, that's the one that I use. And that's the one that we feature in the Aegis age shop on the Aegis site. So if you're inclined to want a whoop, I think is a 15% discount if you get it through there. Um, but they're, you know, as uh, I said earlier, they're all different. They're all, everybody, there's no real right answer. It really depends on your needs and your physiology. So I hope that helps. Today's show is brought to you by Inside Tracker, a science based platform like no other. Inside Tracker is a critical part of my health and wellness. It's the dashboard to what's going on inside my body. It's what lets me know am I eating the right things? Am I not? Where can I make improvements? I recently had a little experiment with veganism, which I've spoken about, um, and as a result of that, and taking in the changes that the Inside Tracker platform suggested to me, my inner age is now fifty-five point two. My chronological age is sixty-three point three, which feels good. Um, but it's a it's a metric, right? Now I I now I have a number on where my inner health is at. So if I make a dietary change, if I change Something in my exercise program or something else, I now have a way of monitoring what's going on inside my body on a regular basis. Looks at 43 unique biomarkers in my body, sending me recommendations on how to further improve my inner health. I recommend Inside Tracker to all my friends, my family, everybody in the Super Age Masterminds. It's a great platform. Um, I get a tremendous amount of use out of it. Go to com slash ages Save 20% on all their products. And speaking of super age mastermind classes and cohorts, the next one starts April the 12th. That's next week, guys. Please, if this is something you want to do, and I think you do want to do it, please sign up. Um, there are only a few slots left. We keep these really small, so it's highly personal, very high touch. We talk about the four big rocks that really impact your health span and your lifespan. Those are your exercise, how are you moving, your diet, what are you eating, how's your sleep, and what's your de-stressing program. And then we sprinkle in all the sort of big science that we talk about here on the Super Age podcast. So check that out. If you have any questions, david at superage.com or it's on the front of the Ages website. Looking forward to seeing you there and introducing you to all the other amazing people that are going to be in that cohort. Hey, Julia, how are you today?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I, I'm so excited to have you on. I didn't, I interview a lot of people, but um, last night I didn't sleep that so well because I knew I had you this morning and I was just like, oh my God, she's such a force. I can't wait to talk to her.
1: Oh, you're so sweet. You're, thank you, David. Thank you for that.
0: Um, so we we profiled you this week um, in Aegist and um, I have seen your progress on Instagram, your journey. Um, and it was quite remarkable. And, but then you sent me your story and I was like, w- w- uh, this is just like another level. Um, so for people who didn't read that, um, tell me a little bit about, um, so you have type one diabetes.
1: I did have,
0: it. did, did, yeah, um,
1: did. I, I was diagnosed at 11.
0: And then you had a lot of, tell us about up until organ transplant.
1: It was a struggle. Um, Childhood diabetics. I mean, I was diagnosed in 1968 when I was 11. Um, There was no real diabetic uh, research going on that would affect young people. And we only took one insulin shot a day, which does not mirror how the pancreas works in the body. And I happen to be the kind of diabetic patient as a child, that my blood sugars were very hard to control. Some people don't have any trouble. Mine were up and down no matter what I did. And um, so as a result, in my mid-20s, my kidneys started to fail and I started to get bleeding in both eyes from retinopathy. All the things that, you you hear these elderly diabetics, they get a foot amputated, they go blind, That started with me in my mid-20s. And I also had heart disease in my mid-20s. And I had been doing everything right. I was so driven to take care of myself. I got the first uh, insulin pump. I got the first glucometer. I was always reading the latest research on diabetes care. But, you know, it just ravaged my body. And I um, struggled and struggled. And one thing I said to someone the other day was that, The biggest challenge was that I did everything right and my body would not cooperate. And that was tough. And so eventually kidneys failed. And um, if I was going to live past 40, I needed to get an organ transplant and not just a kidney, but a pancreas.
0: And how old were you when that happened?
1: 34.
0: And what did you feel like, like before you made that decision to get the organ transplant?
1: That I would rather die than live with diabetes any longer. It was just, it it was brutal. It was a slow death. And I just like to say, not everybody has the experience I had. Some people I know have been diabetic since two and they're in their fifties now and they've never had trouble. That just wasn't my mm. situation. And so when I was offered the kidney, they told me that at the time, because this was over 30 years ago we're doing these experimental pancreas transplants on our diabetic patients. And you're a good candidate because you're young, but you have to understand you could have a heart attack during or after the operation. You could have a stroke. You could die during surgery because it's a long surgery. Instead of being under anesthesia for X amount of hours, it'll double. So you need to decide if, you know, just you just want to risk getting a kidney and not a pancreas too. And, you know, my husband, um, who's such a dear and we've been married, you know, we had been married two years at that point. He, I mean, he wouldn't even talk it over with me. He said, you need to make the decision. And I decided, well, he did talk it over with me, but he knew I had to make a decision. And it just came down to, if I get a kidney only, it's going to ruin, or if I, if I get uh, a kidney, it's going to be ruined by the diabetes eventually. And if I go on dialysis, I'm not going to live past 40. But if I take the risk and get the pancreas, which was very experimental in the in the year of 1991, only maybe 2,000 had been done, I was willing to take that risk. And I was just, I just felt like I would rather die than continue to live this way. Now, when I say that, I also have to to sort of put that in context because with all my medical (laughs) adventures over my life. I have had experiences near death experiences where I know without a doubt that when the physical body expires, we're not done there. You know, I didn't fear death at all. Um, I feared living is what I feared and living with diabetes. And so I decided to take the risk. And here I am, like Mm -hmm. almost 32 years later. Yeah.
0: So then. You made another transformation Um, and tell us about um, like what where you were, what your body was like and where you were at and what what age you decided to transform your body.
1: Yeah. So after the transplant cured the diabetes, no more insulin shots. Um, I my diet, I was still very cognizant of my food. Just because I've I've always been a healthy eater, my husband has too. We've always paid attention to that. And then I got um, my heart disease got exacerbated. And age forty eight, I had a triple cardiac bypass. And then oh my, my God, got, yeah, <laughs> I didn't
0: know about that one.
1: Oh yeah, oh, geez. yeah. Okay, it, here the diabetes, but the heart disease advanced, and so I'm forty eight years old and. You know, my doctor said I I couldn't breathe one day and I knew there was something with my heart. And I went in and he said, we've got to do a triple bypass after they did the, all the tests and the catheterization and everything. And I just thought, no, you're not sawing me open at the sternum. I'm not doing that. And I went around to several doctors, Dean Ornish, Dr. Dean Ornish. Yeah. um, I went on his program for heart patients. I tried all kinds of different things. And in the meantime, I needed to be taken to the ER by ambulance one day because I couldn't breathe. And we got there and um, I was rolled into a room and this little tiny nurse came in and she said, boy, your chart says you really need a triple bypass. What why haven't you gotten it? And I said, well, I don't want them to saw me open. I don't want I, I just it was seemed so invasive to me. And she unbuttoned the top of her shirt and opened it up and showed me this scar on her chest. She says, well, I've had one done and I'm fine. (laughs) And and in that second, I changed my mind. I'm like, hey, if she can do it, I can do it. So I told my doctor, let's do it. And we did. And so um, my husband and I moved to Saudi Arabia where I was a professor in fashion design. And then I moved to we moved to Mexico and while we were in Mexico, I started thinking about. Really, I've had a great life. We've lived all over the world. We travel a lot. I mean, it's just been wonderful. And I thought, I'm not done. I still want to do so much more. And then I looked sort of at the timeline and thought I was 62 at the time, in in Mexico, and I thought my 30 year anniversary of this life saving miracle organ transplant is in two years. I have to do something to honor it and to show and to express my gratitude for being alive. And from day one, I just jumped in and that was it. It was like, you know, it was like a sacred pact I had with myself. And I decided in that moment that I was going to do this, that I, in my, in my mindset, in my mental imagery, in my imagination, I became the woman that I am today physically but I had no idea how it was going to change me mentally and spiritually. i, I That's the biggest change. I want, to
0: ba- I want to back this up a little bit. So you're um, 62 when this started. Yeah. And tell us um, just some metrics like about how much did you weigh? What did you how did you feel about your body? This sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I was your typical overweight 62 year old. Too many tacos. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: In Mexico, I guess. I tacos are good. <laughs> yeah, tacos are good. And you can still have them, but just not so many. Um, So I think I weighed at my highest about 142, and I'm five foot one inch. And, you know, I mean, because I'm in fashion, I knew how to dress to minimize flaws and make myself look trimmer. And so people were so surprised when some people, when they, when they saw my before pictures, because I had a, I had a bloated belly. I had bat wings. I had a dowager hump on the back of my neck. Um, I had back fat. I mean, all the things that women begin to get as they age, if they don't stay active, but I didn't hate those parts of myself. I, that's one of the keys is that I didn't start this journey by looking in the mirror and going, oh, I hate how I look. I hate my bat wings. I hate this. I hate that. I started with the idea that I love what this body has done for me Mm. in 62 years. I want to really take care of it, give it the self-care and self-love. And But I looked like a typical overweight 62-year-old. I felt sluggish. Um, I didn't have a lot of energy, even though I walked two miles a day every day. It wasn't enough, and, and I think part of it is you have to up your game. Yeah, you have to just keep improving. Your body adapts, and then it doesn't change anymore.
0: Well, that's right. We're always, um, you know, the sad truth is uh, we're constantly decaying. We have to fight against this decay constantly. It's like you're in the river, and you just if you're not swimming upstream, you're getting swept downstream. And, right, right. Uh, but so let's um, give people a little reference here, because the, the weight thing sometimes sort of trips people up. But um, tell me, what's so? How much do you weigh now?
1: I weigh uh, about one fourteen, but when I'm competing, I weigh under a hundred pounds.
0: Okay, and yeah, tell me about like. We're going to put the pictures in because it's a rather dramatic transformation. It's not just a weight thing. It's your whole physicality. I know. You've completely, you know, you're, you're an amazing person. Like if I think about this, you've got two new organs. Okay, great. They cut you open <laughs> and did bypass. And now you've done this third sort of transformation. Um, And so what did you, What's going through your head here? So you want to change your body to honor it, not because you don't like it, because you want to honor it, which I love. Uh, what what's this? What did you do? Like, how do you just start to do something like that?
1: Well, I had um, started lifting weights in my early 40s, and I had success with that. But my goal was lose weight, lose weight, lose weight. Right. And I did, I lost weight. And then we moved to San Francisco, which has amazing restaurants. I had a new job and I lost my focus. And then suddenly lifting weights and counting calories. I didn't want to do that anymore. It was just, it got in the way of my new life. And so when I, when we were in Mexico, the program I had followed um, in my forties, which worked, I, the, the guy who wrote, The program was offering a challenge online and it was really geared for 40 plus people because the workouts were easy on the joints and all that kind of stuff, even though I don't have arthritis or anything, Uh, but it worked before. So I decided to do it and I ended up winning, winning the challenge after three months, which was surprising. I didn't know there was going to be a winner, but I think what the success of that beginning step was number one it was a structured program. It was very flexible and it had a community attached to it. So I don't think we do this alone. Mm. You know, I think we need the support of other people and we need people we can encourage and they encourage us. So after three months that happened and then we moved to, um, back to the U S and I thought I got to find a local coach because I still felt like I had I was so energized and felt so amazing. I thought I can go definitely go further than this. And it wasn't so much in losing more weight, but it was like, I'm beginning to look at bodybuilders and what they looked like. And I thought, why can't I do, why can't I do that? You know, and then my local coach started to work with me and he's the one that suggested you, you should be in a master's NPC, which is national physique, uh, committee, Master's bikini competition, and I thought, mm, competition, what do you mean And he said, <laughs> Well, you go on stage in a bikini and da 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 and i'm like I, that, I said, no, you're insane. I'm not getting on stage in a bikini. Who wants to see a six three year old in a bikini? no And actually, my body kept changing that. I mean, this is what bodybuilders do. I know I'm not the only one after workout or whatever. We look in the mirror and we're just sort of like, God, is that me? So anyway, I thought, hey, maybe I can do this. And I did it. So I competed last summer in two shows. And the thing is, and this is why I love the ageist and your whole idea is that those bodybuilding shows don't have many classes for women who are 60 plus. They barely have any for 50 plus. We're the ones with the disposable income and the time and the energy and the drive. And they don't give us a space in this competition. They're beginning to do it more. So I competed in the 55 plus category and I got first place in my first show. But I have to tell you why I got first place. It's because there were no other competitors. <laughs> I, I was the there only one. There you go. One. And my husband's like, don't tell anybody that. <laughs> like, why not? It, does, You know, it's like I did it, it for the fun of it. And then my second show a weekend later was with two other women who were 60 plus. And I was just honored to be on stage with them. They become friends of mine. And I got third place, which was much more reasonable for someone like me who had, who had just started. Um, so that's kind of how it went. I just began to feel better and I wanted more and more. And my whole, I think, perspective on being in a female body. And if you're my age and you're female, you grew up with this idea that, you know, people don't. Accept you for the way you look. You don't feel your best unless you're a certain way, and all this sort of, you know, malarkey. It's just so ridiculous that has been swept clean of my consciousness completely because I know now that it's about building muscle, losing fat, but mostly optimal health, Mm -hmm. being really optimally healthy, and losing weight and gaining muscle, losing fat, gaining muscle. That's a side effect. Yes. It's not the goal, it's a That's side right. effect. Yeah.
0: I'm so uh, you know, I'm so glad you said that. Uh, you know, obesity is a disease state. And I think that um we've just lowered the bar so much. And a lot of this I think is the medical profession. They're like, I, I tell you the story, I was with my doctor. I'm a pretty sporty guy, and the a nurse assistant or something came in and and was like, "Well, are you active <laughs> And I just was like, What are you talking about <laughs> like and it's like what you said, like she expects the answer to be like, Oh yeah, I did like two miles of mall walking this morning
1: mm-hmm, like, right I
0: just want to say, like, raise the bar, yeah <laughs> right, we can do much more and the and it's you know. You you are now an athlete, um, and without any question, you're an athlete. And I I want to ask you about the mindset change from where you were before to when you started training. And then I, I want to ask you some specifics about your training. But you know, as we chatted a little bit before we started the podcast recording, the mindset of thinking what is possible and what can you do. That's an athletic mindset.
1: Yes. Yes. And there, you know, as a kid, I was very athletic. I came from a sports loving family and I often hear from people and I probably said this myself at certain points. Oh, yeah. I used to really be active or I used to really, you know, I was I was always more athletic than I am now or whatever. And I think it's these small stories we tell ourselves about what used to be. And, and for me, I needed to face the choices I had been making about my lifestyle um, that was making me feel sluggish and out of, out of shape. And here I have gotten, actually I've gotten two second chances, the double organ transplant, the heart bypass, and also I have no thyroid. So anyone who doesn't have a thyroid, that's not an excuse either to say I can't lose weight. So, you know, and I'm in menopause. So that's another excuse you can't use with me. But um, the whole idea of taking our body to a point beyond the small stories we tell ourselves, there's no, it's like, I'm reading this book by Jim Quick right now, Limitless. And Limitless is sort of my, my mantra these days. Everything is limitless, but it starts with, having an agreement with yourself that you believe you can do this, you deserve to do this mm-hmm. and you want to do this. And I find that a lot of people have very complicated lives um, and there's all kinds of reasons that they kind of have to get things in a row in order to go forward. But I prioritized health in my life. That's number one. Yeah. What I eat when I work out, get enough sleep, drink enough water, but I'm not a robot, but I do know that I would rather, um, eat before going to a big dinner somewhere or read a menu at a restaurant before I get there. So I know exactly what I'm going to have. I don't drink alcohol. It's so funny when I go to the do- a new doctor, they always ask you those questions. Mm-hmm. You know, do you take recreational drugs? No. Do you drink? No do smoke. And I always say, does a year in college count? <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I think my mindset is that my it's never, ever going to be my goal to lose weight ever again, because
0: right.
1: it's such a shallow goal and it yes. doesn't last at all. Yes. Yeah. The, uh,
0: and I, and I, I just love the way you lay this out. Um, it, it, by prioritizing health, um, all these other like if you just sort of make that your goal all these other things just fall into line
1: yeah yeah and then the toxic things here's the thing david oftentimes people think i need to lose weight i need to lose weight i need to lose weight but maybe what they need to lose are the toxic relationships the negative mm. self talk yeah you know the the unconscious choices we make on a daily basis because i think all those things cause us to hold on to other things and our environment as well as our body reflects how we live our life my my husband Paul and I have moved you know we moved um to Saudi Arabia we've moved a lot we've bought houses we've sold them we've moved we've downsized my point I'm getting to is we've downsized maybe I don't know four or five times and when I declutter my life I feel so much freer Mm. I feel so free of the limiting thoughts and all the things that would hold me back from really going after my next goal or my next, my next dream. So there's a real psychological, spiritual factor involved with physical transformation that you don't even touch on unless you do it for a period of time and you're consistent and you stay in touch with your feelings. I mean, there's certain friends, um, and certain scenarios that I just, it's not a part of my life anymore. And it's not that I've cut anyone off, but I prioritize my life, what's important to me. And when we get to this age, I feel like, you know, we don't have the kind of time ahead of us like we did in our 20s and 30s. And So conscious choices are so important. And it's not just on what we put in our body, it's what we put into our mind and what we allow in our heart. I think that's really important.
0: What, what were some of the self-talk messages that you had to overcome to do, to become like, take on the sort of fitness program that you have now?
1: Well, things like, um, I have no value if I'm, if I'm at this weight or I hate, I hate my back fat or, um, Oh God, I look terrible. I can't, can't go try on bathing suits or whatever. And there was this pivotal moment that got me involved in weightlifting in my early forties. I was at a conference and there was a break and I, I was at the hotel pool and this, ma- this very attractive man who was also at the conference came over to tell me how much he enjoyed my presentation. And all I could think about was how lumpy my thighs looked. And if I cover them with this towel, will he not notice? And it wasn't like he was coming on to me. He was just saying I enjoyed. It was a professional conversation. And all I could think about was my sense of value based on what my thighs looked like, you know? So that got me into my first weightlifting. I went right home, joined Weight Watchers and started this program out of self-hatred. And so I think over the next 20 years until Mexico, those negative self-talk conversations became less and less and less as I sort of became more familiar with how the way we think manifests our life. We draw things to ourselves like a magnet. And I began to like even every Friday would like not read the news or I stopped watching TV. I just realized things would get in there and kind of make me feel unbalanced. So if it's coming from outside me, I have control. I have even more control if it's inside me. So it's something I worked on that had nothing to do with, with uh, getting healthy or losing weight or whatever. And I, as a professor, I teach drawing, and I really get that idea across to my students that to be creative, you have to get out of your own way, get out of your negative self-talk, and just whatever comes out, let it come out, and it's authentically you. So I think this principle I used in changing my mindset can be applied to any area of life where you're trying to level up or spiral up, as I like to say, where you're really trying to you know, up your game and take the next step.
0: Let's talk about your mindset now. Um, so you're not just a little strong, you're strong. Um, you, you're, you're a strong athlete. And how do you feel, uh, like, how does that knowledge, like being in this body that you have now, how does that change the way that you feel about yourself in the world?
1: God, like I can do anything. <laughs> Seriously, I feel like such a badass. You are. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, and my husband, I think he, when we met, um, I don't know, we're, he's, We, I don't know, he's just so great. When we met, I felt like we had known each other for lifetimes, but he knew immediately I, I can't stand in her way. And that's been the greatest sort of thing because... If I want something, and it's not going to hurt somebody else, but it's something I really want that will help me help other people, I'll go after it. Because I think at this point in my life, it's not the big get anymore. I'm not interested in things that glorify my life or bank account or whatever. I'm, I'm interested in taking everything I've experienced and synthesizing it and articulating it in a way that can help other people. So I'm still an educator in that way that I really love to share my story or stories or techniques or whatever to help other people. I mean, I'm a born cheerleader. I really am. I love to see people succeed. That's why I've taught for so long. I love seeing my students do great work and get good jobs. And I don't know, I just, I love people, so I love seeing them happy and fulfilled. And if I can add to that equation, it just feels like I'm living a purposeful life. And that gives me energy.
0: Which brings me to your Instagram feed and, you know, something you said earlier, if she can do it, I can do it. The sort of inspiration that you're giving tens of thousands of people out there. Um, talk to me about that. How, what's your relationship with the people who follow you and comment with you? And
1: Well, I love them. I don't even know them, but I love them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, there's, it's like a, it's like this group of individuals who have, wa- who I've walked that path of getting older, feeling like your best years are behind you, you know, having poorer health not knowing really what's ahead, fearing aging because of the way our society projects that on everybody, not having role models, looking at very talented people in the entertainment industry of a certain age, no longer getting roles. You know, everything's in the 20s and 30s. And I never understand that marketing because they really aren't the ones with the money. You know, that's what I don't understand. And there's so many of us in this in this age group, but anyway, when I started my Instagram account, it was private. I, I, it was like just for me because I was taking pictures every week for my coach so we could make comparisons and see how my physique was sculpting basically based on the amount of macros I was eating and the exercise I was uh, doing. And then I thought, well, God, some of these look pretty good. And so I made it private and I began to share my successes with close friends that I had met um, in the first challenge. I decided, well, I can share this with other fitness people. And that was probably a year ago in April. And I, I, you know, I probably had under 100 followers. And then someone said to me, another coach said to me, Julia, you need to make this public. And I thought, mm, I don't know about that. It was the same feeling of, Being on stage in a bikini. I don't know about that, you know? And then I decided, well, I'll just take out the pictures that I feel are a little too risque, because I still have loved ones in Saudi Arabia, my former students and their families and their moms. And I thought, you know, I just don't want this. Not that it would matter what someone else thought, but I just wanted to keep it a little bit, you know, on the down low. Um, And so I made it public. And it just spread like wildfire. I mean, it's a year later, and I think I have uh, 35,000 plus followers, all organic, organically, and the messages I get from followers. And I try and answer as many as I can, um, <clears throat> but sometimes it becomes, what do you eat, or What did you do to get this way? And those are questions I can't answer. One person out of 35,000 is kind of like, if they're asking that, they're just curious. If they really wanted to know what they could do, they would go on their own search. They would go look it up. They would go, you know, they do what I did, which is just really jump in with both feet to make the change and not Because whatever worked for me isn't going to work for someone else. Our bodies are different. Our age is different. Our medical history is different. Our diet history is different. So it, but it's an I very rarely get negative comments. Very rarely. If if I ever do, it's usually um, some a woman said to me yesterday, from the picture from Ages, she said, You're very pretty. Why did you get cheek implants? Like on my face. I want, and I just thought, or people accuse me of having um a facelift or that I photoshopped my pictures. It's like, okay, whatever. It's in, you know, so <clears> that in- Instagram is an interesting world, that's for sure. It's an interesting world.
0: If, if we get hate mail every week. <laughs> it's like, um, you know, yeah, the internet. Um but, I, but I do, I do want to ask you, it's your program and what's worked for you, but I think it helps people. You, you talk a little bit about, it, I mean, you show some of the exercises you do, but just sort of walk me through, um, you know, like a, like a week, like seven days. So
1: yeah. Yeah. What does yeah, your and, week and, look like? Yeah. And David, I agree. It does help to know, um, it does help to know. So I work out at the gym Five days a week. And right now, because I'm uh, what's called building, so my calories have gone and my macros have gone up under my coach's direction in the last uh, three or four months so that my body can get into a a state where all my hormones are balanced and Mm -hmm. I'm giving myself enough food to build muscle. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you're going to put on some more body fat because when Mm -hmm. you're on stage, You're super lean and nobody stays that way. No one should stay that way. So I am building muscle. And so I work upper and lower body um, five days a week. It used to be a split where I do lower body one day, upper body the next. I rest two days a week where I don't train in the gym. And when I am in the gym, I'm real careful with moving those big plates onto barbells and Mm -hmm. I'm just careful and I, and the gym is sort of close. Uh, The machines are all close. So I have to watch where I'm walking. So it'll take me an hour and a half to do a workout. It used to take me about two hours. So I would say 75 to 90 minutes, five days a week, really intentional uh, weightlifting. And I try and up the weight every week. I try and get stronger every week. And some weeks I surprised myself, like I did a hip thrust earlier this week of 300 pounds, which is almost triple my body weight. Um, but this morning I could only do 280. So it kind of, you know, there's sometimes there's this uh, up and down. You, you feel really strong one day and then another. I just day. want to say,
0: like 280 pounds in a hip thrust is a lot of weight.
1: It is a lot of weight. Lot it, of of it is. Weight. And, and I did. No. I, I'm I'm a member of two gyms, <laughs> and one of them is they don't allow people that are serious bodybuilders to go there. Oh. So and the whole idea is everybody belongs, and they don't want anyone to be intimidated. But I was right. on the leg press, and I had I believe um, I had 320 pounds on the leg press, and
0: wow. there were
1: these guys, these young guys over on the cable machine. They just stopped. and looked at me like, what the hell? She looks like a granny and she's doing 320 pounds.
0: Good for them. (laughs) That's that's good to like, you know, expand their imagination of what's possible.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That they, you know, it's like Roger Bannister in the four minute mile, we see someone do it. And then all of a sudden, and I'm not talking about those guys, but you know, women my age see it can be done, and they know they can do it too. So that's uh, five days a week, two rest days, and then I do low impact, sustained state cardio. I don't do hit cardio, high intensity interval training. It's it, I feel it's hard on my heart, and I don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just walk briskly for thirty to forty minutes maybe three or four days a week, a Mm -hmm. lot of bodybuilders do zero cardio, zero. And they're still like, so buff. And, you know, one of the reasons uh, you you want to keep your muscle actually.
0: Well, I, and I, I've become a massive fan of that sort of zone, super boring zone to aerobic sort of place. Um, because you need that, um, especially if you're in, at least in my view, if you're lifting a lot of weight, you're really stressing your body. Um, you
1: are totally, it's, it's,
0: it's very stressful. Um, yeah. and the, that's sort of like long, slow cardio will, um, actually de-stress your body and you're building in that, in that zone, what you're doing is you're not so much building, you're not building muscle, you're building, um, capillaries and vascular capacity, which is, right. Um, guess what? F- what fuels your brain? <laughs>
1: so, right. Right. It's a good
0: thing. But you need to do both. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. And I and I enjoy cardio. I love a really brisk walk. Yeah. I was loving jogging last year before the before the um, competitions. But my husband is a he's an endurance athlete. He's oh. an elite cyclist. He's OK. He, he's a biker and he hates lifting weights. And he's a tall, thin guy. Right who who he's muscular, but he's not like a bodybuilder. Right. He, he rode his bike from Amsterdam to Florence when we lived in Italy a few years ago. and um I runners have a different body type than say yeah. uh, bodybuilders. Mm-hmm. and we all have, you know, I know when I walk and get that cardio, get that endorphin mm-hmm. rush, I suddenly the ideas in my head is because the brain is getting blood. Mm-hmm. And the brain is the most, is one of the most important organs we have, you know, it really is. It's just, um, to keep it healthy mm-hmm. and to be cognitive and, um, you know, and there's no reason we can't be like that well into coming up to a hundred years. There's just no reason that we can't be that way.
0: Um, the leading cause of death in America is, um, vascular cardio disease. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's, uh, why I feel pretty strongly about the zone two aerobic stuff. I, I also like, like you, I lift weights probably four or five times a week. Um, and I, 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 I hate long, slow cardio. I just hate it. It's so boring, Yeah. but I, I can, like I've been doing, I've been forcing myself to do it the last couple of months. And I can, I can feel the difference. Like my recovery from the weightlifting, there's just a lot of positive things I can feel in my body. And, um, you know, I'm eventually going to die, but I can tell you, it's not going to be from a stroke or a heart attack.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I, and I think the whole idea too, with, with what I do is not, you know, there's no one, not everyone's going to want to get being a competition just feeling better is the goal
0: it's the it's what you said that the making health um you know the primary goal and prioritizing things and i think that that's um i i probably get the same kind of questions you get all the time they're like how do you have time to do this how do you stay Mm -hmm. as vital and vivid like i'm 63 how do you how do you do that and it's just like well you just make it a priority like right stop watching television Right. Right. <laughs> Another yeah. three hours a day you got. So.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> there you go. It's not that you don't have the time. You're not making the time.
0: Yeah. And, it's, it's you know, not it's, you. Right.
1: we will pay attention to what's important to us. And the, yeah. the other thing I think that a lot of people ask me about my, my routine is what I eat and how yeah. I eat and how yeah. much I eat. And right now I think my, um, the calories, Cause that's what people relate to, even though I don't count calories, I count macros, but if you sort of convert them into calories, I think I'm like at 1750 on training days, which is pretty good for someone who's five one. And then on days I don't train, it's a little more than 1500. And I can remember being on diets where 1100 to 1200 calories and endless cardio, so unhealthy and it never lasted. And that, yeah. the body needs to eat. You need food to build muscle. And I totally agree with you that we need, we need both. I mean, I enjoy cardio. I enjoy weightlifting. It's never, I never feel like I have to do it. And where my food's concerned, I prep and plan every week. I know exactly what I'm going to eat every day. Sometimes for the next three days, it's in the fridge, it's prepped and ready to go. I take food with me when I travel. And, you know, people think, isn't that a hassle? Are you kidding? The payback for doing those just planning and being organized is so huge. Like you said, we make these things a priority. And, you know, they really pay dividends in ways that um, what was scrolling on your phone for hours and hours a day, you could be cooking food and have it ready in the fridge for every meal you're going to have. I mean, I think that's the most important thing that people have to decide it's important and then make room to put it in their life. And I just, that's a non-negotiable for me. I know you would ask for non-negotiables. And one of them is that I, this lifestyle, I'm not giving it up for anything. I'm just, it's too important to my, to being alive for me. It's just too important.
0: I think, um, and and I like your thoughts on this, that I I think a lot of people confuse this idea of hard and impossible. Um, And when I look at your story, double organ transplant, that now I've just learned (laughs) on your triple bypass and this transformation that you've done, um, that's hard, but it's not impossible. How do you help people understand the difference between those two things?
1: Well, I would ask a person, or say to a person, um, "Obesity is hard. Yeah, Get, getting fit is hard. Pick your hard.
0: Pick your. Oh, I love that. That's right. Um, yeah, being in a hospital with a lot of tubes in you, that's hard. Right. Um, you you can choose that if you want. Um, right. But pick your hard. That's so well said.
1: Or, you know, I was actually, I went to the doctor this morning, just a routine thing. And um, there was a brochure there on healthy aging. And I think, you know, we read these things and it's cliche and all of that. But when you read it, it's like, it says, you know, to be physically active, to prevent the risk of falling, that stuck out to me and also to remain independent. And I think we forget until we're sick or we can't do something but that's a real possibility as we age that you could fall and break something mm-hmm. or you could end up having to live in some assisted living situation because you can't take care of yourself. And, you know, I have nurses that follow me and one sent me a message um, the other day that said the 62 year old woman came into the office today dragging mm-hmm. and um, we asked her if she wanted to have a seat. She said, well, of course I want to have a seat. I'm 62 years old. I can barely walk, you know, and it was kind of like,
0: oh, geez,
1: she just and she sees this all the time because she's a nurse. Yeah. So people buy into this idea that either it's hereditary or it's lifestyle choices or you have to take responsibility for your own health. You do. And when I would see those things that would say, oh, this could lead to diabetes, this could lead to heart disease. I look at my husband and say, been there, done that already. But it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't due to lifestyle choices, you know, it was the deck yeah. of cards I got dealt. And so it's like, you gotta come up with a bigger threat than that for
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I see um, you know, these statistics, 60% of Americans over 65 have a chronic disease and i don't know some like 30% have two or more overlapping chronic diseases and there is a small genetic component to that but it's like 95% yeah what are you putting in your mouth and how are you moving your body yeah it's, it's really um you know people come to me and they say well like how do i age well and it's like it's really simple you need to work out hard six days a week. And the only reason I'm not telling you seven is because it's going to be too scary for you. But that's
1: <laughs> that's yeah. what you
0: do. And yeah. everything will change. Just do that. <laughs>
1: right, right, yeah. right, right. Well, I was so, um, I'm, a, I'm a lifelong learner. I just really love to learn and expand. And I got my master's degree four years ago. I always wanted, I thought, I'm going back to school and I'm going to get it. What did you study? Uh creative practice, so painting and drawing, oh, which is okay. what I do anyway. And it right. was uh, it was in Berlin for two years. It was amazing. It was amazing. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm a lifelong learner, and I just felt like some of the coaches I've had don't really share the information that I wanted to know about mm. why do you want me to do this and how does the body. Mm. So I got my certified personal training certificate. It took a year oh,
0: okay, and I just
1: got it a few months ago. And I never thought I wanted to coach um, just because, you know, I just didn't think I wanted to. It's another way of being an educator. But I have decided that that's something I want to do because usually people just need someone to break it down for them. Just break it down for me, you know, to say, well, you need to do this, that and the other. There's body, mind, and spirit. And on all those levers, levels, there's things that, um, women, especially my age and men too can begin with, but just one step at a time. We are so used to getting what we want now instant yeah. gratification. No one really wants to wait. And some of the messages I get too from women are, um, I want to look like you. And I just think you can, are you willing how willing are you to work for that? Because you can. And I just, people have it in their head. I can't do it. And if it doesn't happen by tomorrow, hey, I had a salad for dinner last night. Why don't I, why don't I weigh five pounds less this morning? You know, or I went to the gym all week. How come I gained five pounds? I mean, it's a long view, long-term commitment to yourself to get fit. And when you do that, it's like the self-trust and the self-worthiness and the self-love becomes just part of who you are. And that doesn't mean kissy face in the mirror. It means really honoring when you feel something, when you're tired, really honoring what it is deeply that you desire in your life and doing everything you can to realize those dreams Cause really, David, we're, we're, we're not out of time. We are not out of time, but we have less time than we did 30 years ago.
0: I love that you're helping people. I love that you're coaching. I didn't know that. Yeah. Great.
1: Yeah. It hasn't started yet because I'm, here's the thing I've got at least, well, I have over 500 women interested in me coaching them. That's impossible, Mm -hmm. but So I am working with a business manager, a marketing whiz uh, for the next 10 months. And we are building out different tiers of how I can Mm. serve different women in different scenarios. So maybe they only want to spend $25 a month for an app, or maybe they want a full immersion experience, you know, so um, because I, that's that's going to be my life purpose is to help women. And I'm so excited about it because I'm tired of students who don't want to learn. I mean, after the pandemic, God love them. My students just came back to school and they're, they're, they're just traumatized Mm -hmm. and they just, they're there, but they aren't really absorbing and wanting to learn. And I get a few here and there, but it's not fulfilling anymore um, to be in that sector of education.
0: I love that you found your calling and I think that, um, the power that you bring to that is that, you know, if you can do it, they can do it.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, you know, you're not a former Olympian. Um, you know, you've overcome a lot of challenges and I think that to me, you are just, uh, the more I learn about you, Julia, um, you are such a power of example. I'm. I'm just. I'm really happy we know each other. It, oh, it,
1: thank it, you. It, I am it
0: really makes my day.
1: I am too, and I have enjoyed the ages for so long. And I was just listening to a podcast you had done uh, when our time came up. So I'm. I'm really glad we connected too, because I think you're a kindred spirit. A, definitely a kindred spirit, and I just feel like it's never, never too late to start. And manifest a dream and you know but you have to feel good you have to feel good if you don't feel good you don't feel amazing you're not going to have the energy and i knew that um for me to continue going after what i wanted in life which to me is ultimately i think we're all here to serve each other um i need the energy to do that i need energy i need to be healthy yeah
0: Oh, that and, and I, I just want to like emphasize this. This is not a program of narcissism. <laughs> it's not no. like that. No, yeah. it's like you need a body that functions well so that you can help other people in the world.
1: Exactly. And, yeah.
0: That's
1: exactly. Right. Yeah. And and it may just be your immediate circle of loved ones. Yep. You know.
0: You have influence. Everyone Ex- who sees you, they're going to ask you, You're right? Like, what are you doing?
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, Julia, tell people, um, what's your Instagram channel?
1: It's um, Dolphinine, which is dolphin with I-N-E after it. And that comes from it. I made the word up. It means like a dolphin, uh, like leonine, dolphinine, because I had a dream once that I was in the body of a dolphin and it was the most amazing experience. (laughs) And I thought to be powerfully fit like a dolphin who's full of play joy and strength that was kind of my my vision in the very beginning and i just thought yeah like a dolphin exactly like a dolphin yeah
0: that is such a beautiful thing um and you are powerfully fit fit and and you do play and you have joy and you have strength and i think that's amazing
1: <laughs> thank you
0: um it's been wonderful to have you on i'm going to i'll put um your instagram link in the show notes um and, uh, I'm going to keep following you and I'm going to keep continuing to be, you know, he, I'm, I'm like a 63 year old guy. Right. But it's like people like you inspire me. Um,
1: oh, I'm so glad. Well, you don't look like a 63 year old guy.
0: Well, it's because I eat right now. I exercise.
1: <laughs> yes. And, you know, it, I think you look ageless. You know what I mean? When, when people meet people like you. Or maybe me, I don't know. It the, the whole age thing doesn't jump out. And it's no. kind of like, they're you're ageless. It, there, There's no sort of indicators that, oh yeah, he's gotta be, you know, whatever. And other people become invisible, I think, in society mm-hmm. if they show their age, if they look in that. And I think that just has to change too because it beats people down. We've, I mean, people who are older in years are the most wise ones in our society and get overlooked. It's crazy. In other cultures, that doesn't happen. That's one thing I loved about Mexico. The older you were and Saudi Arabia, the more respect you got.
0: Well, yeah. Um, uh, quick pro tip on how um, to look young, smile a lot.
1: Oh, exactly. <laughs> the best facelift there
0: is. Exactly. <laughs> um, Julia, you are you're just um you're such an inspiration. And um thank you for coming on the show today. I look forward to staying in touch with you.
1: Me too. And it was really an honor. Thank you so much, David. Thank you so much.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the show today. That was such a pleasure. As Julia Lynn says, if she can do it. Anyone can do it. And I just love that. I love what she said at the end about being powerfully fit, full of joy, play, and strength. I mean, what else is there, right? Um, well, this is a great show today. Great to have you all with us. Um, again, our show is brought to you by Inside Tracker. Go to inside tracker.com slash Aegis, save 20% on all their products. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, we're starting to populate the Aegis Super Age shop, which is filled with the sort of things that we all use here and we get you discounts on them. So that's on the Aegis website. Go to Aegis and um, drop down shop. And you'll see all that stuff. Uh, Whoop being one of those things if, if whoop's your thing. Um, next week, we have a really great one. Um, we've got an 11-year veteran in the NFL who went to Yale and has some really fantastic business stuff he's working on, um, one of which is CBD derived from orange peels. Um, so that's great. You're going to want to check that out. If you like the show, hey, please leave us a rating. We'd love that. Tell your friends about the Super Age podcast. That's the only way we grow, and we all like to grow. Leave us a comment. If you want to hit me up directly, David at superage.com. And don't forget, we've got that Super Age mastermind class and cohort coming up next week. So you don't want to miss out on that. Please sign up. We'll see you then. Everyone, have a wonderful week.